We are reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. This is the word of God. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do pray that we would have hearts set on pleasing you now and minds ready to hear your precious word. Lord, enable us through your precious spirit to understand and desire to apply your holy word. We come now as your children in need of guidance and of truth, and we commit ourselves to you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and the King of Kings. Amen. About, I think, six months ago, the Duff family was watching a documentary. We don't watch a lot of documentaries, but we did. Uh, and this one happened to be on the endurance, which is the HMS endurance, and uh, Ernest Shackleton's uh, venture into, uh, down to the South Pole. And he is on a ship appropriately named the Endurance. And although the men who went on that uh, ship knew that they would have to endure uh, at least discomfort, uh, if not outright danger, <clears throat> and pro- maybe death, uh, they could not have imagined, none of those men could have imagined what uh, they would have to endure. And they eventually did endure. And as I read, uh, I read two books on this subject. Uh, one is uh, by Alfred Lansing. It has a foreword by James Dobson, um, who, James Dobson was seeking to find out what the faith of men were who could endure what they did. Um, and then I read another book, and uh, and I reread this book, and for some reason I read them all in the winter, and that was really hard because it's all about these men who are freezing continually for uh, almost two years. Um, but they were great books, and it helped me to understand, uh, just to be more amazed, I think, uh, that, that these men endured what they did. So on December 7th, 1914, Ernest Shackleton and a crew of 28 men total uh, entered the ice pack. That was the day they entered the ice pack off of the continent of Antarctica. And their goal was to be the first party to trek across the Antarctic continent on foot, which is quite a feat in itself, let alone getting there. Uh, But it was a goal they would never achieve. They never made that, they never got to walk there. So a century later, 100 years later, we're now still remembering, uh, this book has been quite popular, we're now remembering uh, one of the most fascinating examples of physical endurance in the face of adversity at least in a nautical world. Uh, Now, the endurance would sail through ice 
for uh, about a month until on January 18, 1915, the ship was trapped. It became trapped in uh, huge chunks of ice and uh, in the Antarctic pack. And despite the efforts of the crew, they went out there and they tried to saw it. I don't know how. I mean, these are, uh, this is huge pieces of ice. Saw it, chop it, whatever they could do. Uh, but the endurance remained lodged for the next nine months. If you look at the picture on the uh, notes, this is, uh, it, it was being crushed at this point. I think soon after this picture was taken, it eventually was crushed and it sank. And it was, this is one of the best uh, ships of that time built for this. It was wooden, but still it was uh, built very strongly. So with the ice pack constantly pressing on that and threatening to crush it to splinters, it eventually did, uh, it forced the crew to abandon the ship on October uh, 1915. So there they were, they had to live on the ice. And you'd have to read this in the winter, I think, to halfway appreciate this. But one month later, the ship sank. I mean, they, they were living on ice in tents, and uh, then the, the main ship shank, uh, sank. But uh, they were able to save the three lifeboats, I guess you call them. They weren't large. Uh, but they survived for the next six months, just killing seals and penguins and uh, ultimately their own sled dogs uh, for food. Then on April 19, in April 1916 now, we're talking, tw the 28 men saw an island on the horizon, and the ice flow broke just enough so they put the three smaller boats out. And uh, you know, so they lived for all that time on the ice. And ever, sometimes the ice would crack, and one time a man fell into the crack, and they rescued him. None of the men, by the way, died. All of them survived all of this. Um, so for you know, six months. Then in, uh, they spotted this island, and, it, and they were able to get there. Uh, and it was basically just a rock. It was a cold rock called Elephant Island. It was uninhabited. It was un unhospitable. And far from shipping lanes, normal shipping lanes. Um, so nobody knew they were there. They didn't have a radio. Uh, even if they had a radio, no one could have gotten there to rescue them. So Shackleton knew that the chances of rescue were uh, pretty minimal. And, uh, but they were on land. Yeah, for a little while there. Then on April 24th, uh, Shackleton decided, well, I have to take five men in one of these small boats and try to find uh, some uh, way to get out of here. So they had to travel 800 miles. This is in an open boat on one of the strongest seas uh, on the planet uh, with water spraying over them continually, which froze them. And uh, for 17 days, they sailed like this. They couldn't really sleep much. They couldn't eat much. Um, that alone is just hard for me to even fathom. So they're fighting their way through the stormy uh, seas and the freezing water, and they made it, those uh, five men. But they reached South Georgia Island on the wrong side because the weather was so bad and they were almost dead, and then they realized they have to walk to the other side of the island to actually get to a little whaling post where they can survive. So Shackleton and two of the men, they left two men behind, walked on foot across this island. Uh, 36 hours. They walked. They're mostly frozen anyway. And they walked, and they had to climb a 1,000-foot mountain to get to this port. And so he attempted to rescue his men. He, he was a good leader. He cared for his men. And he would not succeed, though, until August 30th, 1916, 22 months after they'd initially set sail. All 28 men survived. Now, when I read these books and when I went and I studied it online and, and uh, saw the documentary, I didn't see much overt faith in these men. It's not ri written down anyway. 
And um, it seemed like most of those men, there were 28 men. By the way, 5,000 people, more than 5,000 people applied to go on this. Basically, for almost no money, uh, you can pretty much write, I think he did write something like, well, you may not survive. You know, well, he didn't exactly make this uh, a rosy thing. But, uh, and two or three women even applied. But they're basically going for adventure. They're going for fame. Uh, but, fellow citizens of heaven, we are called to endure for a much higher purpose than fame and personal glory. We're called to endure and given the means to endure for the king and the kingdom. In this epistle, Paul was exhorting Timothy, his son in the faith, and he was in prison when he did this. He was exhorting uh, Timothy, knowing that Timothy would have to endure suffering, similar to what he was going through. And so he was imparting, as a father to his son, how to endure in this passage. And he said to Timothy in verse uh, 8 of chapter 1 earlier, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So he's basically saying, well, you're going to share with me what I'm going through now. So he's trying to prepare Timothy for that in this passage. He's talking about suffering for the kingdom. First Peter 3 talks about, uh, it says, it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So uh, I also read a book uh, by John Piper called The Roots of Endurance. I'd highly recommend it. It's about three men, uh, John Newton, Charles Simeon, and William Wilberforce. But in this book, he said uh, that we must see suffering or things we have to endure, not merely as a threat to our satisfaction in God, but also as a means to our satisfaction in God. We should see suffering as normal and purposeful and not surprising at all in this fallen age. But our culture, of course, doesn't look at it uh, quite that way. They look at suffering. uh, They they say basically maximize ease. You, You should maximize ease and comfort or suffering. Uh, or security. Uh, We need to expect hardship, though, in a fallen world and an imperfect church, and we, as we seek to honor the Lord. Now, Paul knew Timothy would have to endure suffering, so he began the passage with this exhortation, you therefore, so basically my son, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, we can endure by the grace of God, because we are children of grace, and we must become stronger in grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Lord told Paul that his grace was sufficient for what Paul was enduring at that time, or would ever endure, and that the strength of the Lord was made perfect, uh, or revealed, uh, or seen more clearly by Paul's weaknesses. And then Peter told us that we should grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be growing in grace, And as we endure by grace, we grow in grace, and we point others to his grace. And we do have a task, brothers and sisters, which requires being strong in grace uh, to endure. And we will face hardship. Uh, We have faced hardship as we seek to obey the Lord, and we are called, as we are called, to endure by grace. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He was an apostle. He said, it is by the grace of God that I am what I am, And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. So he labored very diligently. He endured, and he knew, though, that it was the grace of God. Uh, Endurance is a gift. That's what grace means. Endurance is a gift of God. Well, sometimes our task, uh, or what we are going to face, uh, will seem like, uh, like a soldier in battle. 
Sometimes it'll be like an athlete, you know, we can, in a grueling practice or a grueling competition. Sometimes it's like the labor of a farmer who, uh, just to survive, he has to work hard with the hope of the harvest. Now, if grace is in Jesus, and he defines grace, then we must draw near to him. If we are not near him, we won't grow in grace, and endurance will be much harder. To be strong in grace also involves faithfulness to be where, weekly, by the grace of God, where the means of grace are imparted. And that is the fellowship of the saints on the Lord's Day, as we are rejoicing in today. The means of grace are given through the sacraments and the word of God and prayer, meaning the sacraments are rightly administered through covenant baptism and through the weekly table of the Lord, Uh, the preaching of the word, which is the hearing of it, and the reciting of it, the singing of it, and through individual and corporate prayer. All of these are means that the Lord uses to strengthen us in grace. And we need to be strengthened in grace, probably much more than we realize. So being here each Lord's Day is extremely important in helping us to be strong in grace so that we may endure. And then we should remind ourselves individually, of course, daily of our need for grace. We should preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We should preach the gospel to ourselves every day as we meet with him, and we should be thankful for his grace. We should praise him for his grace, which abounds over our sin. And we should know and rejoice in the doctrines of grace. Phil preached about three months ago, I think, uh, through the five solas. And those should be reviewed and known, and and we should praise God for those. And then we are to grow in grace. Uh, we To do that, uh, we must more and more walk in grace in our relationship with each other. And uh, we should speak words of grace to each other. Well, also... Secondly, we can and we must endure because we are those who have the truth and we must pass on the truth and how to walk by faith. In verse 2, Paul told Timothy to impart the truth that he had been taught, uh, the word of God uh, through Paul, which was affirmed by uh, many witnesses. He said, uh, teach to faithful men, to reliable people who will have the vision to impart uh, the uh, sound doctrine, the truth, and to teach others. Calvin put it this way, he called it transmitting sound doctrine to posterity. And it's important for us to understand that our endurance in passing on the word of God has an impact on future generations and on their endurance even. And we'll see this again in verse 10, which says we endure all things for the sake of the elect. So we are called to endure by grace and to endure for others. Well, secondly, we are given many examples in the scriptures, and we're given three here. These three, uh, from verses three through six, you therefore, so he's just uh, talking to Timothy, because, you know, Timothy, you have been given grace, and uh, this is for future generations, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Well, James McDonald, <coughs> the pastor at Providence Church, uh, maybe uh, several months ago, uh, preached through First Timothy, he preached through this chapter. And I liked uh, what he wrote, so I took a little bit of that. Uh, he talked about the discipline of a soldier, the dedication of an athlete, and the diligence of a farmer, the three Ds. I like that. Dedication, discipline, dedication, and diligence. So the soldier fights with discipline because he's anticipating a victory. In fact, the only way he can be victorious in battle is to be disciplined. 
The athlete runs with dedication, and he's anticipating a crown. And the farmer labors with diligence uh, because he's anticipating a harvest. Uh, they are all anticipating the blessings of endurance. First of all, the soldier. Uh, a soldier endures to win the battle, of course, to, and, and to please his commander. He's focused on obeying his commander and not uh, going about with civilian pursuits or the affairs of this life, it says. Back then, of course, uh, I believe you couldn't be a soldier, for example, and a farmer. You, know, you couldn't be bivocational. You couldn't uh, just always be with your family. If you were a soldier, you were usually out fighting. The soldier had to do what his commander desired, which for us would be kingdom pursuits. <clears throat> Paul told Timothy in his early, earlier letter to wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. Now, there are two main ways a soldier, I believe, of Christ, a soldier of Christ can endure hardship in the battle with the enemy, which we will face. Everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So <clears throat> we want to wage the good warfare. We must, first of all, know our enemy and our enemy's tactics. And then we must also know our offensive weapons and how to defend ourselves. Uh, we uh, handed out, I think, several years ago, a book by William Gurnall. Uh, many of you have that, The Christian in Complete Armor. Wonderful, excellent book on, on defending yourself against the enemy. So our enemy, according to Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our enemy can't be wrestled with in our own strength. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't give up. He's very uh, steady in what he wants to do. He's the father of lies, and he's a deceiver, and we defeat him with the truth, which is the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. He is a tempter, and we defeat him by prayer, with prayer. We are to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Ephesians 6.13 goes on, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So at the end, you're standing. A warrior's standing. He's victorious. He's endured by grace. We endure by grace. Uh, imagine you are a disciplined warrior. You are standing. You are not ignorant of the enemy. You're not ignorant of uh, or untrained in the weapons of, of your warfare. Uh, you put on the whole armor of God, and you loved your commander, and you endured to please him. So regarding our weapons, maybe a key verse would be 2 Corinthians 10. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't, and we won't endure well if we seek to uh, battle that way, if we try to endure uh, in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, a good soldier endures because he knows the enemy and is prepared, he's conditioned, and he's disciplined for obedience to his commander. And he endures in battle because he knows how to use the weapons that were given to him, the sword of the Spirit and prayer the communication with our commander. And this also has to do with the battle that we continually have against our own sinful natures and, and the world we live in. And my question to you this morning, uh, one of three that I'll ask regarding these three uh, analogies, are you doing your part in that discipline that you're called to? 
so that you can endure the battle? Are you learning to wield the weapons he has given, the sword of the Spirit in prayer? Enduring the battle means following the commands of our captain, meaning we must be in the word, we must know his commands, and requires using our weapons with skill from discipline training in their use, disciplined in the word and in prayer. Soldiers of Christ endure the battle this way. Second, you have the picture of the athlete. So an athlete endures uh, to win the race, uh, to get a crown. And uh, to win, of course, he has to compete according to the rules, uh, not like he would like to. You know, you have to imagine running around the track and you're running and there's the other people running with you and you're getting tired and you look over there and it looks like you can just run across this field and you'll be over there. Well, that doesn't work. You can't, that's not according to the rules. You can't run that way. You run this way. You, you can't take off before the gun, well, they didn't have guns back then, before you can leave the starting line. Uh, you have to compete according to the rules. And in Second Timothy 4, it says, uh, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. And there he's picturing wrestling or boxing. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So he endured. Paul's an example of endurance, again, to us. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but uh, also to all who have loved his appearing. So we endure for a crown of righteousness, not a wreath uh, or an earthly crown like uh, the men of, on the endurance, essentially, were doing so for fame and for personal glory. Paul wrote uh, to the Philippians, and he said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul endured the race by his focus on the goal. He was looking to the right goal, to looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the prize of the upward call of God, the final call, uh, and an imperishable crown. That's what Paul was looking for. And we endure, we must endure, uh, the training and the race of life, which is sometimes uh, very difficult, with the same focus and anticipation, the same goal. Paul also used uh, this uh, analogy of, of an athlete in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, do you, not know, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run that way. How do you obtain that goal? And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, which back then was a laurel wreath. It was perishable. It would eventually just uh, rot. But we for an imperishable crown, which is the crown of righteousness which the Lord gives. Therefore, uh, because Paul was running uh, for an imperishable crown, uh, he said, therefore, I run thus. I run this way, not with uncertainty. I'm not uncertain on what I'm doing here. He says, I fight, not as one who beats the air. Uh, So his fight wasn't imaginary. It was against a real foe. Uh, But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others I myself should be disqualified. He didn't want to be disqualified from the race. And we, brothers and sisters, have to train also and keep the rules. In 1 Timothy 4, uh, we're encouraged, we're exhorted to train ourselves in godliness. Or some versions say exercise. You should exercise yourself in godliness, not with uncertainty, but with dedication and with training not as a boxer beating the air. We have to bring our will into subjection to the rules, which are, is the living word of God. Otherwise, we are disqualified, not able to endure. This is the dedication of the athlete, to learn the rules and then to practice and compete according to them. And my question to you would be, are you doing your part uh, to be dedicated to learning the rules? 
to learning the Word of God, which is the only rule of faith and practice for us. Uh, that dedication to the rules, like an athlete, is how we endure the race. And then finally, the farmer. Uh, we, we have several farmers, I believe, or former farmers in this congregation, Gill and like Ron Porter, and uh, I think even Bill Kelly, some others. And maybe I should have talked to them about what it's like. I, I don't know. I don't even like gardening. But, um, you know, a farmer endures to harvest a crop, of course. When he plants, he sweats, he does all that to harvest a crop. Uh, but he's got to do so sur- to survive and provide for others and be productive. Uh, and now the diligence of the farmer regarding that, you know, a farmer works hard, uh, even if they're in a big tractor uh, with air conditioning and TV. Uh, they still have to work long hours. Uh, it, it's hard work, and uh, certainly back then it was hard work. They, had, they have to toil by faith in the harvest. They you know, take a seed and they plant it. Well, it's by faith. Galatians 6 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In due season, in the proper time, in the proper season. And as Phil shared last week uh, regarding providence, the providence of God, we endure by grace some of the providences that seem very hard and disappointing, uh, which are necessary for other providences, uh, amazing providences of the Lord. Um, we should not grow weary or lose heart, but endure by grace, knowing that in due season we will reap. Well, in James 5, it also refers to the patience of the farmer. You know, farmers are very patient, I think. Most of them I know, even if they complain about the weather a lot. They, uh, therefore, be patient, it says, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. So they're an example to us. My question to you would be, are you confident and thus waiting patiently after the hard work of planting, knowing that your toil will result in a harvest uh, that you can't see maybe right now? Can you endure if the results are not quick? In 1 Corinthians 15, you know this, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, we, we do not lose heart, he said. And Paul had every reason, really, to uh, outwardly lose heart. Uh, he had a lot to endure. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side. And I was picturing the, the endurance, the ship, when the ice just crushed it. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't know what to do, maybe, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. For all things are for your sakes, that is the elect, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. By Paul's endurance, the elect were strengthened. Uh, Grace was spread through many people, and thanksgiving abounded to the glory of God. Calvin put it this way, If husbandmen, or farmers, if farmers do not spare their toils, that one day they may obtain fruit, and if they patiently wait for the season of harvest, how much more unreasonable will it be for us to refuse the labors which Christ enjoins upon us while he holds out so great a reward? Indeed. How are you doing in your part to be diligent in your labor for the Lord? Are you enduring by faith in the harvest? Peter talks about the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Are you diligently sowing godly seed to harvest future blessings? Well, Paul used these three examples of endurance. Uh, The discipline of a soldier, uh, of course, helps them to endure the battle, anticipating victory. The dedication of an athlete helps them endure the contest, 
and the practice up to the contest for the victor's crown and the diligence of a farmer helps them to endure the long wait maybe for uh, the harvest. And there are many other examples for us, uh, not only in scripture, but, and I believe the Lord gives us these examples uh, because we need them. Uh, These examples help us to press on when we think we can't. In Hebrews 6, we are commanded to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And to be imitators of them, we must know of them. First of all, and I'd like to go on just a few more examples. Um, The endurance of the prophets. Uh, In James 5, it says, my brethren, take the prophets. In other words, think about them. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And I always usually think of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. But, and, and blessed indeed are those who endure. And we are encouraged to endure as we read of how the Lord uh, blessed the prophets and how uh, he blessed us through them. Uh, they are examples to us of suffering and patient endurance. If you are struggling, I'd suggest reading the prophets. Well, next, our Lord's example on earth uh, must be central in our mind. He's our example of endurance, of course. He's our example in all things. And we will see in the next section, he's also our source of endurance. And our Lord's example uh, is highlighted in Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. We are to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, it says in verse three, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. If you are wondering if you can endure, consider the Lord, what the Lord endured on the cross physically for you through his torture and his beatings. What the Lord endured for you in uh, the shame of this kind of death as a criminal for us. What the Lord endured in the separation from his Father as he bore the just wrath of God for our sin. Consider the Lord Jesus. and You will not become weary and discouraged in your soul. Well, then there's the apostles and the uh, early church. We have many examples like Paul. Uh, according to Hebrews 12, it says, in fact, we have a cloud of witnesses. There's so many, it's like a cloud. It's, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, knowing they, uh, the, the cloud of witnesses, endured, we have many examples. It encourages us to take off the weights that are holding us back, so we can uh, run better. It will not hinder us. And we are motivated to run with endurance the race that is set before us uh, as we uh, think of the cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. If you are struggling with what you're enduring, read of other saints who have endured. Read biographies of men and women of faith. You'll be greatly encouraged and strengthened. And then there's the recipients of the epistle to the Hebrews. Hebrews 10 says, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated or converted, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, talking to, this is Paul, 
and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. In other words, they were waiting for the imperishable crown. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence or give up or uh, lack endurance, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. And then there's the persecuted, of course. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Uh, The saints have been persecuted from the beginning, and we must remember them. And so here, uh, each week, we pray uh, for the persecuted, and we pray uh, and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, And we should read again to stay aware of those who are martyred uh, for the faith. And then there's the modern church, of course, many examples. And in this book, The Roots of Endurance, uh, there's uh, John Newton, of course, Charles Simeon, you may not know, but William Wilberforce, I believe you all know, who for, I believe, four decades, he was battling uh, to abolish slavery. Very uh, steady uh, man. He endured much uh, to do that. Now, John Piper said, God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated saints who have endured to the end are one of the roots of our own endurance. So again, I think these examples are very important uh, for us to be aware of. Brothers and sisters uh, here are uh, also examples to us. We have examples in this room of uh, brothers and sisters who have endured by grace to the glory of the God of grace. And probably some of us will face things we didn't expect to endure this coming year for the kingdom uh, work uh, because of the call of God. But praise God that we have many examples uh, before us to help us. Well, the source of our endurance, verse 7, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. So we're to consider, we are to ponder the examples that we are, we are given and we are uh, able to endure because the Lord gives us understanding as we consider his word and submit our, our lives to it. Now on the back of your notes, you'll notice 10 questions to ask at the start of a new year. I believe this is the eighth year in a row that we have handed these out. Maybe, maybe the seventh, but anyway, many times. And I think these are very helpful for us as we consider how to uh, live by faith. <clears throat> and I would encourage you, uh, there are 31, by the way. I put all 31 on the back if you'd like those, but um, I don't know why it's called 10 questions because he's got 31 in the, in the file. But uh, the Duff family every year on the 31st sits down and we look over the goals that we made last year and we think about the goals of the next year. And this has helped us when you think of questions like this, what's one thing you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? What's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? Will that help you endure if you think like that? And if you go to the Word and you pray according to this? Uh, what's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? In which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year? And what will you do about it? Will you be intentional? What's the single, single biggest time waster? So, Please, I would encourage you to uh, look at these and uh, use them at least as a foundation to uh, consider uh, how to live by faith and how to, it will help you to endure. Verse eight, remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Jesus Christ was a man born of the seed of David 
and thus the Messiah, raised from the dead, resurrected in glory. He is the source of our endurance. He is the source of our endurance. Because he rose, we too can endure, knowing that we will also be raised in him, with him. The Lord Jesus is the source of our grace to endure. We must remember that we cannot endure well if we forget the gospel, which is in him. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must remember the risen Lord and the present Lord with us. John, uh, the Apostle John wrote to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. And he, he said this to them, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Well, they endured, endured a lot, it appears. Yet they were not commended by the Lord here because they lost their first love. They endured some without loving him. And brothers and sisters, getting it out to endure something uh, without Jesus, uh, laboring and enduring without doing so for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and without the power of the unchained word of God is unwise. It will not work or be pleasing to the Lord. Verse 9, Paul had to endure for the gospel, uh, gaining, gaining a reputation as an evildoer. They, people talk to him, he's an evildoer. And he was treated that way also. He was chained, he was in prison. This is a prison epistle. And so he was being limited. He couldn't go out and do what he wanted to do uh, physically. But the word of God cannot be limited or held back. And Paul knew that his limitations would not hold back the word of God. It will accomplish what the Lord intends it to do. Praise God, the word of God cannot be shackled. It cannot be bound in any way by man or by governments. It can't be limited and it can't be stopped by armies. And since the word is our life, by the promises and the truth of the word, we are able to endure. Hebrews 6 says of Abraham, after, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So he endured by faith in the promise of God to him and he obtained the promise. Abraham, in fact, is an example of endurance. In Romans 4, it says, he did not waver. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham did not waver. In fact, he was strengthened uh, in his faith because he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. The promises of God cannot be chained, and Abraham uh, patiently endured uh, many years uh, by faith, uh, the promise that he was given. His son Isaac was born when he was old, and he believed in the future harvest also. We also must do the same. We must be like Abraham by trusting in the promises of the unchained word of God. We cannot endure without them, and so we need to know them. So you could summarize the source of our endurance by saying that it is in the grace and power that we have in the resurrected Lord Jesus and in his unchained word. Well, last, the results of our endurance... One commentator called this section uh, the Song of the Martyr. It's set apart, if you notice in your Bible, as a kind of a song. The Song of the Martyr. It's uh, possibly, probably part of an early hymn. In verse 10, we see that we endure to reach and to strengthen the elect. 
Verse 10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We must realize when we are called to endure that it has somehow, it has a part by God's providence in how the Lord reaches and strengthens the elect. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said, uh, we endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. And then in verse 11, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. So we show the world that Jesus is the source of our life and our strength. And this was given to encourage those uh, at that time who were going to die. If you die with him, you will live. You will live with him. Those who would uh, suffer martyrdom also. They had hope in, in the death that they might face. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you because he gave you eternal life. And so you show you have died to the world. You show that his life is the source of your endurance. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We must live that way, realizing that we died in him and uh, we may die in the flesh, but now we live in the flesh by faith. Uh, Verse 12, another result is that we endure as preparation to reign with him. We will reign with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. When you endure, you are proclaiming his victory now and his kingship now, and you're preparing to reign with him for eternity. In Revelation 5, uh, the saints were praying to the Lamb of God, and they said, you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And of the martyrs in Revelation 20, it said, they lived and reigned with Christ. Fourth uh, verse from verse 12, we endure to affirm that we will not deny the Lord Jesus. If we deny him, it says, he also will deny us. When you endure, you are affirming him as your Lord. And this is also a warning, of course, to endure through persecution and trial and in no way to deny the Lord out of fear or shame or unbelief. And then finally, in verse 13, we endure to be faithful like Jesus and to become like him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his word endures. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. When we endure by walking by faith, we show the faithfulness of Jesus to us and his faithfulness to his word. And as we are faithful and endure, we then become more like our Lord. In uh, The Roots of Endurance, John Piper talked about being coronary Christians. It's an interesting term. He said we should be coronary Christians, not adrenal Christians. And what he meant by that is the heart beats multiple millions of times in a lifetime. It's amazingly strong and steady. It's an amazing muscle. But uh, regarding uh, adrenaline, you know, it's the adrenal glands secrete adrenaline and uh, it gives you a spurt of energy and then fatigue. And may the Lord keep us from being adrenal Christians who can only endure for short spurts, but make us coronary Christians who steadily endure over the long haul. Marathoners, not sprinters. So we can endure all things because of the grace we have in Christ. 
and we can endure, and we must endure for the sake of the elect. We have many examples of those who have endured, uh, so we can be encouraged by them. We should be, and uh, we know it can be done by looking at their lives. We must get close to the source of our endurance, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the results of our endurance in Christ will have an eternal impact on us and, and many others, and will glorify the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that we would be strong in the grace that we have in Christ Jesus and that we would bless and and strengthen the elect. And may we endure for the glory of the Lord who died and rose to give us life. Lord, help us to endure with the discipline of a soldier, the dedication of an athlete, and the diligence of a farmer. And we thank you for all the examples of those who have endured, that you've given us, and uh, that we have your unchained word also to be able to stand. Help us to draw near to you as the source of our strength to endure, rejoicing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen.